we're back. We're back. Season two. Firstly, season one, thank you for listening. Really, really appreciate it. And secondly, why are we speaking English and not Swedish, Jesper? Well, I was almost going to do an applause there for that intro. But, well, it turns out that there are some people listening to this who speak Swedish and thought what we said in season one was really interesting and, and mostly entertaining. More entertaining than interesting, probably. But it turns out that a lot of people don't speak Swedish. Which was odd, of course, but since you and I both speak English all day long, we figured we might as well just stick to English. Indeed, indeed. So, welcome to season two of the podcast where Jesper Bylund and I, Jan Orvet, we sort of poke, prod, analyze, and share our opinions on design, the everyday, the mundane, as well as the really exceptional, and also how people affect and are affected by design. Let's talk about maximizing the minimal, or mesta minsta möjliga in, in Swedish. How to use as few digital tools on your laptop or tablet as possible, and why that will actually make you a better designer. So why is that important? Why, why should we even, even think about that? Well, design really needs to happen in our brains, in dialogue, in observation, and in, in presence, not in a piece of software. That's to bring it all together. That's to use it to communicate it further. Secondly, it's really liberating. It allows you, the human being behind the keyboard, to listen, to understand, to be humble, to be inclusive, and to, to actually really collaborate and act on what you see and hear and fulfill those needs and solve those challenges that your work brings. Less focus on the tool, more focus on you. Jesper, what's your minsta möjliga? What's your maximizing the minimal? How, how, do you, how do you approach this? I love this topic. Like when you chose this topic, I was immediately just elated to be able to talk about this. Because of course, as designers, we love our tools. We, we love tools and stuff uh, in general, but specifically, we love all of the things we, we work with ourselves. We can't possibly stop talking about what pens we use, what papers we use, what, which app is the best app and stuff like that. So when this was the topic, I, I had one of those like uh, design, I shouldn't use a bad word, but uh, the design elational emotions. And I was like, oh my God, yes. I think it's important to, I think it's important to come back and realize that tools are inherently limiting, which is why we want to talk about this, because it's really hard to saw a plank using a pair of scissors. You need the right tool for the job, and mostly with design, I completely agree with you, the best tool is not a tool. It's your mind, because of course design should be human. Uh, so today I do most of my work on a Mac. Uh, it's a... Uh, one of those new somewhat fancy MacBook Pros with the Apple Silicon thing. And I'm, I'm mentioning that because it relates to my, my dream tool or my dream setup, so to speak. And on this map, basically, I use three apps. I use a to-do app, I use a notes app, and I use a design app or design tool because it's more of a suite and the ones I've picked and the ones I, I use every day is things for my to-dos, 
by Cultured Code, which is absolutely beautifully designed. And it's a very simple to-do list app. Uh, so there's no there's no special sauce in that. It's just a beautiful app. I use Roam Research for my note-taking, which is kind of a hardcore, quite ugly app, but it is a very interesting note-taking system called Zettel Custom, which is uh, taking the world by storm currently, and it's probably going to be a fad, but I think it helps me think, sort of, which is, of course, the uh, like the, the main goal for all these tools. But uh, the thing we really want to talk about, or the thing that's probably going to interest uh, you and our listeners the most, is, of course, the, the design suite, the design tool. I use Figma for everything. I mean everything. Figma is my go-to thing for sketches. Figma is my go-to thing for card sorting, for creating user journeys, for creating finished designs, for exporting things for developers, everything. I, I do my mock-ups. I do some testing in Figma. It's just, it's just good enough on so many at so many things that I, I don't really feel the need to use much else. Well, that's brilliant. Yeah, and it's surprisingly freeing to, to feel like no, this is just a general purpose tool, and it gets out of the way enough that I can just do what I need to do, and it's not very limiting. There's some limitations to it, of course, as with all tools. But that's really what I use. That's it. That is that is impressive. I mean, it, it, I, you're probably the the designer that uses the fewest tools that I that I know, uh, fewest digital tools. Is it possible to remove one of these and for you to still be able to do the amazing design work that you do? That's a really good question. No, the, I could replace them. I could replace things with any other to-do list app. I could replace Roam Research with any other note-taking app, probably. Uh, they might not fit me mentally as well, but I couldn't replace having them. I would still need tools like this. And of course, uh, I should <laughs> emphasize at this point that I am a minimalist, so I'm working constantly to try to get rid of as much tools as possible. I ended up using just these tools basically over years of switching back and forth from design work and development work. Mm. So I couldn't really get caught up too much in my tool set because the tool set was changing with every new client anyway. I've sort of coalesced or, or sort of ended up with these few tools just because these are the main, the, the bare minimums of what I can use. I remember you saying uh, at one point that you you wished that you were working on a tablet instead instead of a. Oh yeah. Tell me more about that. What 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 is the appeal for you to work on a a piece of glass instead? Well, there's actually many things, but this is the reason why I mentioned Apple Silicon starting out because the reason I use a Mac today, or the reason I have one of the new Apple Silicon Macs is because it's as quick to start as the iPad is, which turns out is a really important thing for me because when I need to write something down, I hate waiting half a second, which sounds absolutely bizarrely sort of uh, spoiled. <laughs> but I do, I hate it. I can't, I, can't, I can't wait half a second to write something down because I start thinking about like the, the, the results of that thought instead of just that thought. So. Having something that immediately starts, as soon as I touch a key, it's immediately ready to go, 
has become really a, a game changer for me. Uh, and I remember sort of this being an issue 10 years ago, but at the time I would just go to paper all of the time instead, mm. uh, which today I'm, I'm trying to avoid, but of course I'm always sketching things on paper as well. My ideal tool set would be an, a, an iPad with an Apple Pencil that could use Figma and that had a, a, an external keyboard. Because at that point, I could do anything I want with that. I would have plenty of battery life. I would have a small screen, which I think is actually preferable because it forces you to focus a little bit. And I could do everything on it. I could sketch. I could uh, I could create a finished design. I could do mockups. I could, I could probably run testing on it as well, though probably not that great. But it would force me to use it as a tool and not get caught up with everything I could be doing just because it's a general purpose computer. I wouldn't be able to have 14 different windows open with 100 different tabs because it's just not possible. So that is my dream that that is my dream stack of tools and I have been the last like 4 years I've bought an iPad every year believing that this is the year I switch and I haven't been able to yet. But <laughs> I just discovered like two weeks ago that there's an, actually an app on iPad made by an amazing developer called uh, Matthias Martinez. And I'm sorry I butchered that name because I think he's, uh, he's Spanish. It's called Figurative, and it allows you to run Figma properly on an iPad using an, an Apple Pencil. So now I'm in the market again to, to buy another iPad, and hopefully this time I can actually work completely just on the tablet which is, uh, it's going to be beautiful, I think. That's brilliant. The, I think the, the, the immediacy of it is something that also Apple are, are moving more and more towards with the update iOS 15, the very simple way of adding a short note into, into notes without taking over the whole screen, understanding that focus can also mean not purely seeing or interacting with one thing, but being able to go in and out of something else and return to what else one was doing. You're probably pretty close now. I think you're 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 you're, you're close to the uh, to the iPad lifestyle. <laughs> I hope so, and I think you're right. I think um, I think immediacy is probably uh, probably the key word here for the performance of. Uh, no, let me rephrase that. So a couple of years ago, I read an article about how performance could be a feature of tools. And I think there's something to what you said about immediacy, because being having a tool that is so performant that you don't have to wait to think, you're never waiting on the tool, the tool is always waiting on you, really makes it a lot easier to disregard the tool. You're not thinking about how do I do this in this tool, you're just adding whatever it is in your mind to a digital canvas. So I think there's something really, really um, important in that statement. I think more and more people are, are also heading in that direction, regardless of, of what they're doing. Probably the pandemic has helped to a certain extent. But I think also there is, there is, a, there is a feeling in some quarters that as we're not seeing the huge leaps in sort of traditional digital tool performance it's a little bit sort of it, it becomes clear that we didn't actually need it we didn't need all these steps but of course then again you know i 
I still want the new iPad, even though there's hardly any difference to the one that I have, which is two years old. It's a funny thing, that. It is indeed. But now I'm super psyched to hear about what you're working on, because I think you're already on the iPad lifestyle. Is that true? I am. I am. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I am. I, I made a decision at some point that whatever it took, I would do my work on the iPad, not because I wanted to make a, a switch or replace. I just really appreciated the simplicity of the iPad. I appreciated that it was a bit more tactile. I appreciated that it did allow me to focus, that it was portable, all of those things. But I've sort of taken it a step further when we talk about maximizing the, the, the minimal. I really try to avoid using any digital tool for probably three quarters of a, of a project, if I can. I want to stay away from the digital tools for as long as possible not you know communication and those types of things but i don't want to sketch on a screen i i don't want to pull things together from and, and copy and pasting i want it to happen in a way ideally together with the client's audience the client etc in a way which is very very accommodating in a way where everyone feels intuitively that they can use the tools, whether it's you know pens, paper, something else, but more and more uh, having the dialogue, the understanding, and not too quickly bring it into testing that relies on technology to bring it into something where I do need to do the 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 digital workflow to get to the next stage of the project. And, you know, usually it works quite well. And, of course, this varies. It varies hugely depending on what, what type of design work one does. It's, in some cases, it's not possible. But if it is possible, it's probably possible to a larger degree than one thinks it is because it's also sort of a bit weird. You know, I'm not wanting to sit in front of the screen, not wanting to use the tools that are kind of fun, cool, interesting, etc., but it does work, and I, I have to say, it's 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 made me a better designer because I I listen more, I pay attention more when I'm fiddling with fewer things. This is interesting. This is very interesting, because of course the choice of tools, uh, like I said at the beginning, it does limit you to certain things, and avoiding the digital is going to limit you quite a lot. So you spoke now about the sort of things that you gain from going going non-digital. But what is the trade-off? How did you how, how do you uphold this way of working and how do you convince other people that this is a productive way to go? The key thing is to not try and convince anyone else that this is a better way. It's just another way of doing it. And there's no there's no loss in terms of time in working in this way. It's just a different way of reaching roughly the same goals, but doing it in a way which very very often is more has deeper research behind it, has more thought that has gone into it, because it's a quicker way 
to have a dialogue around each step, around each aspect of the design work. For example, looking at something fairly simple as a, a physical representation, sorry, a visual representation of an interaction on a screen. One could, of course, mock it up. One could, of course, do several uh, several flows that could be tested out. But instead focusing on why do we react the way that we do to certain shapes, certain colors, why is that important during certain times of day, whether we're at work or not? Having that dialogue, understanding that, actually leads to the same conclusion that we probably would have gotten to doing it in a digital way. But those dialogues in themselves, the learnings, the questions that can be asked, the answers that are given, provide a much fuller understanding of what we're trying to do, which inevitably speeds things up down the road, which inevitably gets a much stronger buy-in from the intended audiences and, and very, very often also from the client, the, the, the commissioning client to see why all this matters, why design truly matters to the end result. That's a really good sell for not trying to convince people to use this way of working. Um, I have a challenge for you. Um, something that I think could be really interesting to talk about from this, this spectrum of tool set for doing design. But before that, I actually want to know, what are your tools? So, so what are the materials and what are the tools and, and how do you go about doing this? This is kind of funny. So I have an iPad, I have a MacBook Pro, I have microphones, I have cameras, I have sketchbooks, I have keyboards, I have tons of stuff. But it's all tucked away so that for whatever work I'm doing, I pick out the one thing or two things that are actually really important to do the work that I do. So I've, I've, I haven't limited my, my gear geekiness. Uh, I only choose to bring out the item that I need to do the work that I, that, that I need to do. Very often it is the iPad, but very, very often it comes in in short, sort of short, short spurts. I start with a pen and paper. I start with, you know, tucking my hands in my pockets and talking to people. I bring out things that are related to what we're trying to achieve. For example, let's, let's say that we're, you know, we're looking at a, an airline cabin, you know, airline interiors. It's, it's actually a lot more interesting having that discussion with uh, a stack of fabric samples, with a couple of light samples, for example. That's, that's a really fun way of exploring what is among the audience a preference or the complete opposite. Please don't put that in the plane. I will never fly with you again. Um, and once that's done, to sort of take that information, mull it over, and then reach a conclusion. And in that conclusion, execute it in a piece of software on the iPad that can then be checked, that can be then sent off. And also doing this thing every single time, should I have used something else? Could I have done this differently? Would there have been a better result if I did it differently? 
and allow oneself not to be completely sold on this idea, which, you know, granted I am to a certain extent to, you know, try not to use digital tools for as long as possible. But when I notice, like I did just the other day, that, you know, I really need to drop this whole idea. I actually need to sit down in a, in a shared collaborative online space with this particular audience and do something on the screen together. That will reach result. But having the courage to start very, very small and then sort of build from there. So my tool of, of, of choice, yeah, very often it is a notepad and a tablet. It works. It works for me. I've, I've, I love Notion nowadays. Um, a lot of stuff happens in Notion uh, for me. And uh, Figma, absolutely. That, that, to me, is definitely a, a, uh, a laptop tool at the moment. Um, but that's, 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 close to, that's close to all I use. I have Todoist as well. But I could get by without Todoist. I could get by without Figma as well. I can, if I had, you know, a Notion or something similar like that, maybe even Bear, that that truly would be everything that I needed. That's really impressive. Being able to scale it down to that level is just, it's, it's almost like mind boggling. I'm, I'm thinking about all of the, uh, all of the edge cases and all of the aspects where I'm going like, okay, so could you do this? Could you do that? Like it's, uh, it causes me to start questioning and think, which I love, which is a really interesting. But before I get into the challenge, I want to ask you, how did this work doing remote work during COVID? I was the one who was more skeptical than team members who hadn't done this before. They were more open to it than I was. I was probably more hesitant about whether it would work or not than they were. It's because I, I think I remember the journey to getting to this more than what it's actually like doing it this way today yeah like 10 years ago remote work was not fun no it was it was yeah it was mm, no <laughs> i had a i had a question um in a meeting uh, just yesterday um when this topic came up about um, maximizing the minimal a very valid question but you can't sketch something out in Notion, which is very, very true, at which point I would pick something up that would allow me to sketch this thing out. But I wouldn't do it until that stage. And then I wouldn't use anything else. I would use that particular application, sketch that out. And when I was done, I was also done with the application. So that's, that's phenomenally interesting. That must require... A ton of deliberate discipline. At least a lot of deliberate decisions to make it work because one sees the benefits and making sure that the rest of the team or the client, the client's audience, that they only see the benefits of it. Because it can't be an ego thing. If people were really annoyed with me because I worked like this, I obviously wouldn't do it because that would be very disrespectful to everyone else. Course. But as long as it, as long as it works, as long as the benefits are clear to everyone, go for it. I I want you to tell us about something that you told me about six months ago, which is how you go from paper to digital with notes. Because I found that process just phenomenally simple <laughs> and lovely, and I've been trying to use it ever since. I failed so far, but that's how you learn. 
just please go through how you do this. So what I think you're referring to is how I take notes on a piece of paper or a very elegant notebook, uh, if I'm in, in your company, because I don't want you to look down on me. Of but, course, of course. Yes, yes. And once I've done that, once a meeting or an ideation, ideation session is over, I then transfer those notes. Sometimes it's easy to just take a picture and then you know, add it into Notion, for example. At other times, I simply type up the information and then I take my pen and I draw a line diagonally across that page. And then I clip that page to the front cover with a little clip. It's there if I need it, but at that stage, it has ceased to exist. Pretty much. That is just brilliant. That's that's that just boggles my mind how brilliant that is. It's one of those things where you discover like something foundational, but twenty years after you started doing something, and you go like, "What?" It's just so inspired using a, a notebook as a sort of an inbox for thoughts. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That's what you call lovely. it. Yeah, an inbox for thoughts. I yeah, I guess that's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay, so before we go completely off topic, which is usually uh, my fortress, I wanna I wanna challenge you to something here, because okay. uh, in your description of of how you use these tools, you are, I would say, you're taking a reductionist sort of approach to design, and there are design issues or design problems that are very difficult to solve in the abstract, because they rely on sort of emergent results of the design. Now, uh, my example is, of course, going to be from gaming because I come from a gaming background, so I'm sorry, but here you go. So you can't, you can't mock up how fun it is to jump with Mario because there is no fun there. The fun happens when you have a perfect balance of input to effect on the screen. So how would you go about solving issues like that? Because I know that you've been... Uh, working with products and services that have effects like this it's all about the timing really it's uh, it's like the the sketch example that i mentioned when the time is right to prototype something to to really give it a go to make it as close to potentially the final result as possible then one switches to the tools that are relevant at that stage and once you're done with that you put those tools away because they are probably not the ideal tools for what comes after. But they will be relevant again down the road. And that's when you use them. So what you're saying is it's about picking the right tool for the right moment. It is definitely. And still, I believe having a slim toolbox is always is always a very, very good idea because it does help your thought process. It does help your workflow in general to just not have too much stuff to choose in between. And the the value of each tool that you then invest in is going to be much much stronger as well. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, there's we're all distraction machines. We're all procrastination monkeys, and it's so much fun to think about and talk about tools and uh, processes and and uh, oh, you should be using this sort of framework, and oh no, think about it this way, and it. That all gets in the way. It does. It really does. It does. It's totally okay to change things, change things out. It's not okay to hold on to 
a bunch of stuff, a bunch of applications just in case. It's a, it's, it's a total FOMO thing. Just There is no fear of missing out as long as you have a tool that you know that you will be using. And if you're hesitant, you won't feel more comfortable unless you get rid of that other option. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right on here. That, of course, doesn't exclude the possibility to try out new tools just for fun. Oh, to no, absolutely experiment and, and learn about a new tool. Yeah. Um, because that's how we discover uh, other things that we could use for our work. But I, I completely agree. Having the constraint of not having to pick the right tool, but having three tools, and there's clearly there's clearly a winner for every situation, just focuses our time so much better, I think. It does. And to be honest, uh, regardless of what type of design one works with, if you're still using exactly the same tools in exactly the same way that you did three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, you're possibly not doing as good a design work as you could be doing today, 2021. If you don't reset the toolbox on a regular basis, you're not giving you the, yourself and your clients and their audiences the best shot at grasping the opportunity or solving the problem that they have. That's a really interesting thesis. So let's let's dive into like okay so so how does somebody who wants to try to work on this how do they do it because we just said that all of these you know frameworks and tools and stuff like that you shouldn't get get too focused on that so let's create the framework for how people should work with their tools so that they can switch wholesale <laughs> yeah <laughs> no but it is i think it is interesting because i remember starting out that i would um I would try to buy a Mac before I could afford one. There's no reason to have a Mac. It doesn't help you do design. Uh, I tried to buy fancy pens and fancy notebooks. And it was it was one of those, I think a good example is in photography. A lot of people start out believing that it's actually the camera that does the work. That yeah. to be a good photographer, you have to have a special sort of camera and the right lens. But a photographer doesn't care they could probably use pretty much anything to take great photos they just know their tools so well that they end up with some deliberate choice and it's hard to get past that point i think and with design since as you so eloquently said most of the work happens in your mind you really could sit around with napkins and a pen probably it's it's really hard to stay away from all the shiny stuff. I mean, the the whole consumer society is based on getting new stuff. And it seems like this is something you need to do. This is something that you should be getting. Does this go counter to trying things out? No, it doesn't. Because this whole idea of trying something out, it needs to be beyond, beyond the specific application that you're looking for. Trying out a new way of working doesn't mean trying a new platform or a new application. It can be something quite simple as challenging the way you, you do something from the moment you start working in the morning and see how doing, for example, the opposite. Maybe don't 
sit down and start checking email. Maybe don't sit down and start sketching out ideas you had. Do something different and see how that affects you. And from there, see what it is that, that, that brings you to, for example, a fancy pen or a new Mac. It's, it's a much more honest approach. I would, in general, I, I, and this comes from the State of Mind at Work book that I co-authored together with Tommy Cow, is to simply write down um, the applications you use and then find alternatives for each and one of them. And then try those alternatives for a couple of weeks and see how that changes the way that your mind as a designer thinks differently about the work that you do. And that automatically will start guiding you towards the optimal tool set for now, late summer, autumn 2021. This is what is relevant to you. I think that's a great, um, a great thing to, uh, to try out and to test every now and then because all tools limit you to a way of working and a way of thinking about things. And normally, as you learn a tool, you're not aware of the limitations. You only see the limitations when you're working on something else or with something else. So it's extremely easy to get caught up in constraints that you really don't need to be uh, constrained by. And I think a very good way of doing that, of escaping these constraints, is just to try different stuff. But I also think it's very valuable to not try to try different stuff for your work. Because if you're trying new stuff in your work all of the time, you can get into this loop where I think it's called the Hawthorne effect, where just changing something makes you feel better. And you can easily get distracted by that. One thing is trying things out, doing new things. At other times, do the work with the tools you have. And just do the work. Focus on the actual result you're after, not the tools in themselves. I think that's excellent, focusing on the result, because ultimately the result is the only thing that matters. Yes, but you know what? We've, we've stayed on essentially one topic for well over half an hour. I've written down 17 things I want to talk about. That's amazing. <laughs> that means there's at least 17 more episodes coming uh, in season two, which is fantastic. Could be the case. Yeah. But for now, time to go. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.